Hey, Dylan. Hi, Amanda. How are you doing? Good. Uh, so today we're obviously talking over Zoom, but I thought, you know, to shake things up a bit, why don't instead we imagine that we are in a more grand location? Yes. So uh, why don't we go to Westminster Abbey, which is this grand cathedral in Very London. Very grand. Yeah. yeah. And we're going to go in particular to May 6th, 2023, which was the date of King Charles' coronation. So. Right. Yes. Picture, you know, everyone around us is in like furs and jewels and there's like incense in the air. Amazing. I love it in here. <laughs> yes. So I want to draw your attention in particular to this throne that King Charles is being crowned on. Ooh. So I'm showing you a photo of it now. Can you see this kind of like very uh, old looking wooden throne? I mean, this looks like a king's throne. It's like this ornate carved, pretty uncomfortable looking, but very fancy chair. Definitely. And if you look on the bottom, I don't know if you can see this in this photo, but there's something like underneath it. Can you see that? Yeah. It's got like what looks to be an enormous rock in it. Yes. Is that what I'm seeing? <laughs> that is exactly what you're seeing. So Okay. This is an enormous rock. It's an enormous slab of Scottish sandstone. It's 330 pounds, and it has a name. It's called the Stone of Destiny. Yes, Ooh. of course. Yes, it is. Of course, it's called the Stone of Destiny. Okay. Almost every single British monarch since the year 1296 has been crowned on top of this stone. In fact, the throne that you see here that we were just talking about, it was built specifically to fit over the top of this stone, which was taken from Scotland in 1296 by King Edward I of England and brought to England. And now it is the official coronation stone of the British monarchy. But there is a big problem here. Unfortunately. Besides relying on a, a magical stone, what what is the uh, what is the problem? So the problem is many people in Scotland believe that this stone, the stone in Westminster Abbey, is a fake stone of destiny, and that the real stone of destiny lives somewhere else. And I'm about to show you a photo of where All right. it might Let's live. See where the it may be like a Scottish. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at a, a photo of a very charming looking. What I assume is a Scottish pub. The, it, it says yep. the the uh, the Arlington, like a red yeah. painted corner pub. That's absolutely right. So this is the Arlington pub in Glasgow. So today, Dylan, I want to tell you a tale of two stones. Yes. One is a replica. One is the real deal. Mm -hmm. And the question of which one is which is actually not as straightforward yeah. as you might <laughs> expect. And the story involves um, a heist, a very audacious heist. Uh, some counterfeiting and some crime. Yes. <laughs> so I'll present the evidence and I will let you decide what you think. I'm Dylan Thuris. And I'm Amanda McGowan. And this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. And today, Amanda's taking us on a trip to visit the Stone of Destiny. Both the Stones of Destiny. That is after this. When was the last time I took a road trip? 
how many national parks could I hit in two weeks? What about hotels? Wait, hey, Erica, how much am I spending on travel? When your questions about life turn into questions about money, there's Erica, the virtual financial assistant to help you spend, save, and plan smarter. Only from Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Your chat may be recorded and monitored for quality assurance. Message and data rates and additional terms may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. So I saw the first stone, you know, uh, under the coronation chair. What about this stone that's in the bar, the, the Arlington pub? What's the deal? Yeah. So let me take you to the Arlington pub. So we are now in Glasgow, Scotland, and this is like your classic old bar pub. It was built in the 1800s. You go inside. Everything's kind of like dark wood paneling. And of course, what is like very special about the Arlington is that the Arlington claims to be the actual home of the real Stone of Destiny. And so if you go into the bar, there is literally like a booth where the stone is like set into a little nook in the wall (laughs) and you can just sit next to it and like have your pint and just hang out (laughs) with the Stone of Destiny. It's just like in a little glass case next to your booth. Like, Oh, it's not even in a glass case. It's out. It's out? out. You just reach and touch it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You could use this coaster probably if you could stick your drink in there. The thing I think I don't understand is like, why do people care about this stone in the first? Like, these are both rocks. Why does anyone really care about it to start with? That's a great question. And so as we were talking about a little bit earlier, when the King of England, Edward I, invaded Scotland in 1296, he took this stone with him. And the reason why Mm. he took it was because for hundreds of years before that, the stone was used to coronate all of the Scottish kings. And it has very sort of mythical origin stories. Some people say it has like biblical connections. Others say that Mm. it was known as the speaking stone. So when a, a monarch sat on it, if he was like the proper king, it would kind of like cry out in joy. And if he was a pretender, it would be silent. <laughs> Man, dangerous game taking this stone to, to you know, crown your British monarchs on. And what if it what if it doesn't make its noise? Anyway, so they stole this really like important stone from the Scottish. Yeah. So obviously Scottish people were not particularly thrilled about this. And over right. the centuries, the stone, and in particular, the fact that the stone has been in Westminster Abbey was kind of like a sticking point, and it became a kind of symbol of Scottish nationalism, which yeah. brings us forward in time many, many years to 1950, when four students at the University of Glasgow, which is right around the corner from the Arlington Bar, basically decided that they were going to steal the stone <laughs> back. <laughs> And so actually recently I spoke on the phone to David Lowe, who's the owner of the Arlington. 
David Lowe would put this a different way. I don't say stolen uh, because it's our stone, our Scottish stone. We, you can't steal your own stone. It was removed uh, from the Westminster Abbey by four regulars of the Arlington. You can't steal your own stone. That's I like right. it. Okay, so I'm going to show you a photo of a okay. few people. I love this photo. So right here in the center is this guy named Ian Hamilton. He's the ringleader of this whole operation. So he yeah. and his three classmates. This man are... did this. Did 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 this. You only need to look at this photo of him <laughs> for one second, and you're like, the look he did of it. of kind of like mischievous delight on this person's face just tells you that he did in fact steal this stone. Yeah. So he's like wearing a. A, a tweed suit he's holding a cigarette in a very like i would say jaunty way yes. and he's looking at the camera like yeah i did it <laughs> like i did something that what I'm... are you gonna do about <laughs> it yeah, yes exactly yeah exactly okay so ian hamilton and his three classmates on their christmas break in 1950 they decide that they are going to drive down to london in these two sort of like ancient cars and they are going to break into westminster abbey how do you break into Westminster Abbey? That seems like impossible. Yeah, so it took a little bit of trial and error. Um, so the first night that they got in, they thought they would do a little bit of like a night at the museum thing where they would kind of stay after closing hours and uh -huh. hide and then they would, you know, do the whole heist. But they got caught immediately and kicked out. So they came back the next day uh, with a different approach. They brought a crowbar this time. Okay. And yeah. I guess there was this door in Westminster Abbey and the door was just made of pine. So they took a crowbar and they literally just pried it open and they got in. Um, and so they go <laughs> inside of Westminster Abbey. They're prowling around. They find this the throne. They pry off the, like, the wooden piece in the front that holds Dude. the stone behind <laughs> it. And remember, this thing is huge. I mean, it's like probably the size of like a sack of flour or like a big sack of rice or something. It weighs 330 pounds. So they're like trying to move it. Yeah. Oh my God. Ian takes his coat off because they're like, how are we going to carry it out of here? So he's like, okay, I'll, I'll take my coat off. We'll put the stone on the coat and slide it. And the stone like immediately cracks in half and like oh breaks God. into two pieces. <laughs> So they're like, oh my yeah. God. Right. They're like, you just broke in this thousand year old, like more than that, like rock that carries all of this important ceremonial yeah. meaning. Yeah. And no word on whether the stone was like screaming or not as this was yeah, happening. Right. But uh, so the stone breaks in half. They like bring it out. After the, the stone gets into the trunk, Ian realizes that he's like dropped his car keys inside of Westminster Abbey. So he has to go back in and get his car keys out. And then they drive away from London with these two giant stone pieces in their trunk. What happens as soon as people find out that the stone is is gone? Oh, it's like absolute chaos. I mean, the yeah. British authorities immediately suspect that this is like a show of Scottish nationalism, which I mean, it is. It is. <laughs> so they react very strongly. They actually close the border between... Um, England and Scotland for the first time in 400 years and they're like searching cars oh. they're dredging waterways I mean it is like now. a real sort of manhunt um, somehow Dude. the students even even though like this happens in a very Mr. Bean-esque kind of way I mean yeah. they somehow like managed to evade any sort of capture I mean they bring the stones back to Scotland and for months 
the two pieces are kind of like being moved from place to place. Um, at some point, they brought it to like a local stonemason who put the two pieces back together. And meanwhile, like there's a little bit of heat growing on Ian because I guess somebody found out that he had taken all of the books about the Stone of Destiny out of the library. <laughs> and they were like, "Uh oh, this guy is suspicious. Uh, uh, yeah, that is a little suspicious, I will say. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So eventually they brought the stone to this sort of crumbling abbey in Scotland and decided to give it back. Did they get in trouble? Like, what happened? So they actually never got in trouble, which is kind of remarkable. Bonkers. But in the official version of the story, yes, they gave the stone back. The stone was returned to Westminster Abbey. And if you believe this official story, the stone stayed in Westminster Abbey for decades and decades until... 1996. Um, And at that point, there was sort of another swell of Scottish nationalism and the British government said, hey, we'll give you the Stone of Destiny back and you can house it in a museum in Scotland. So they Mm. returned it to Scotland and they put it in um, Edinburgh Castle. And so if you believe the official story, the stone is in Edinburgh Castle today and it's taken out on a loan whenever a British royal needs to be crowned or whatever they need to do with it. Yeah. But there's also another version of the story and so (laughs) so here is the story as david told it to me what the students did was return a fake stone so they said we're not going to return the stone that we took we're going to commission a new stone and return it uh, to the authorities presenting it as the stone that was taken from westminster abbey the cojones on these kids. Here's the thing. The stones, you might possibly say, even. Yeah, the stones on these kids. Yes, exactly. Oh, my God. Do you think it's true? Do you think it's real? So the the kind of theory that the students faked the stone and returned to fake has been talked about a lot over the years, of course. Um, None of them ever admitted to it. So Ian Hamilton died in 2022. He was the last survivor of the four. And he never said... You know, I faked the stone and gave back a fake one. <laughs> but the stonemason, interestingly enough, who fixed the stone, who put the two pieces back together after the students broke it, allegedly he made two replicas of the Stone of Destiny. Um, and so it's, you know, possible that one of them went to Westminster, Westminster Abbey. This all sounds, you know, a little far fetched, but I want to point out that the British government was not convinced that they actually got the real stone back. So I wouldn't be convinced (laughs) either. I'd be like, Ian, I think you still have the stone. Yeah. So in 1996, when the British government decided that, you know, they were going to make this arrangement and give the stone back to Edinburgh, they revealed this document from the 1970s that showed that the UK Home Office basically had subjected the stone to all of these x-rays and tests to try to determine if they had gotten a real one or a fake one and in the x-rays you know it showed um the bolts inside of it where the stonemason had you know fixed the stone when it broken in half and so they interpreted that to mean okay we have the real stone like this is the one that was taken from westminster so make of that what you will what, what do people say to that? The stonemason has since died, but his kids came forward in like a, a Scottish tabloid a few years ago and were like, yeah, dad made copies and all of the copies had this like fix in them. So, you know, um, yeah. and when I asked David about this, because <laughs> at first I was confused because I thought, oh, you know, if the stone broke in half, I mean, maybe there's multiple pieces lying around. And he said, no, the Arlington stone also has the fixed 
piece. Um, his the barstone also has the 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 bolts oh, in it, yes. right? Which it would have to if it's the real. Oh thing. yes, and then oh, he went a little God. bit further than that. So here's uh, here's what David had to say. Officials in Edinburgh and the government can no more prove that the stone they have is the real thing than I can, which is just fine by me. So we maintain we have the real stone in the Arlington Bar, and uh, they defy anybody to prove otherwise. <laughs> in any case, the Stone of Destiny has, of course, become like an enormous draw for visitors to David's Bar, and he says he gets tourists yes. now from all over, including from the United States. Um, they even have like a Stone of Destiny ale on tap if you go visit. God, I want to go to this bar I so know. bad. I like want to go see the Stone of Destiny. Obviously, it's, of the, real it's the real of one. Of course, I've become a believer. That said, can I introduce you to one more rub in this case? Absolutely. <laughs> I, want, I want this story to have as many <laughs> twists and turns as possible. So there's actually one more theory about the Stone of Destiny. And that is, if we go back to the very beginning of the story, remember how the English king Edward invaded in 1296 and took the stone from Scotland. Yes. So some people believe that instead of giving him the real one, uh, the leader of the Scottish Abbey where the stone was gave him a fake even then. So that would mean that the stone that's been in Westminster this whole time is a fake. And that both of these stones are fakes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, the Stone of Destiny, it could be in the Arlington, it could be in Westminster, it could be in an Applebee's, you know, it could be in a field somewhere, it could be anywhere. So, okay, so where if I want to see these stones, like, let's say I want to do a little tour. Where? where oh, do yeah, I so the, the official Stone of Destiny tour of Scotland would bring you first, I guess, to Edinburgh Castle. That is where the quote-unquote real one is for now. Although um, this year, in 2024, it's going to be moving to a brand new museum in Perth, Scotland, which is the historic seat mm. of the Scottish monarchy. And David actually told me that um, huh. he is uh, trying to work out an agreement with like a bar near the new museum where his stone of destiny oh will be God. on tour there. <laughs> Just as like a little bit of mischief. A competing act, basically. Exactly. It's like, yeah, you could buy, you could go buy tickets to that or, or just you come could. in here and get a, get a pint. Yeah. Yes. Until then, you can see I mean, arguably the real stone of destiny at the Arlington pub in yes. Glasgow. And decide Clearly. for yourself. Check them out and see what you think. Dude. Someone needs to steal both stones of <laughs> destiny and then like <laughs> just show up with like two more, but then two other. I just want there to be an endless yeah. stream of potential stones of destiny. Yeah. I mean, stones what, of destiny found in Atlas Obscura office building in Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Okay. Well, I think this conversation has been incriminating. <laughs> However, I do think this is a good plan. Perfect. Uh, thanks, Amanda. What a what an amazing story. Thanks, Dylan. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Stitcher Studios. The production team includes... Doug Baldinger. Chris Naka. Camille Stanley. Manolo Morales. Baudelaire. Gabby Gladney. Johanna Mayer. Our technical director is... Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by... Luce Fleming. If you want to learn more, be sure to visit atlasobscura.com. There's a link in our episode description. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris. Wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. 
I'm Lale Arakoglu, host of Women Who Travel. Women Who Travel is a transported podcast for anyone curious about the world. We talk to adventurers and athletes. I've raced the God's Own Adventure Race, which is on the South Island and goes through the mountains down in the Southern Alps on New Zealand. That was eight days spent out in the wilderness. And chefs. Iranian food is home, it's family, it's love. And we share dispatches from our listeners. Ireland is full of these, I will call them ghosts of the past. From stampeding elephants to training sled dogs. We hear it all. The dogs will curl right up with you and it can be kind of cozy waiting things out. New episodes of Women Who Travel publish every Thursday. Join us wherever you listen. At Radiolab, we love nothing more than nerding out about science, neuroscience, chemistry. But, but we do also like to get into other kinds of stories. Stories about policing or politics, country music, hockey, sex. Of bugs. <laughs> Regardless of whether we're looking at science or not science, we bring a rigorous curiosity to get you the answers. And hopefully make you see the world anew. Radio Lab adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get your podcasts.